Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Question for you. How dedicated are you if you if you plan something in advance and then you're the one that messes it up? Let me give you an example. Sometimes people will pre-order tickets for a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And on more than one occasion, they will show up and be like, oh, this is the wrong theater. This is a theater 90 minutes away from here. Do you just buy a new ticket while you're there and no, try I'm to going refund? To the, I'm going. Well, here's the problem. I would love to just drive to the new theater, right? Yeah. But if it's 90 minutes away, I'm not going to make it. What's the max? What's the maximum? However, if I can make it there before the movie starts, I'm doing it. Okay. Because I'm just like, because here's the thing, bro. Here's what happened to me one time. I signed up for a concert and it was four and a half hours away. It was in Charlotte. I wanted to go see Baby Rexa and Marky Basie, right? So I left work early. I drove four and a half hours out there. I got there. It was like eight o'clock. It was dark, right? Show was canceled. Oh, no. Four and a half hours, bro. Oh, no. So what do you do? Because there's no show. Yeah. Were you planning to get a hotel anyway? I don't know what I was planning, to be honest. Okay. Which means I didn't. (laughs) I I wasn't planning on getting a hotel. I was going to just figure it out, right? So I just turned around and drove back. Yeah. I think that's what I would do. I guess that's what you have to do, right? That was nine hours in the car. Yeah. And what? At least a tank and a half. Yeah. That's so wild, though, right? Like, hey, man, first of all, no one goes to see a show that's almost five hours away. No, not at all. No, my Don't max my max is like if it's three hours, I have to really think about it. And if it's three hours, it better be an early show because you're not going to a three hour away concert, comedy show, whatever. Right. That starts at nine o'clock. Yeah. You're not doing it. So I'm going to I just had nothing. Was, what was I supposed to do? What was I supposed so, to do? You know? My the the second concert I ever went to, I was not quite 18 yet, I think Uh, I went with my partner at the time to go see Ninja Sex Party. And it was about like two. it, It was in Chicago and it was about two hours from where we lived. But what we did was we went to a train station, parked our car there, then took the train in. And it was like, you know, three blocks away from the train station when we got there. Um and so by the time the concert let out and we got back on our train, I'm pretty sure, you know, it was the last train of the night. We uh, we were like one of the last stops and we didn't we got home at, I don't know, three thirty, four in the morning. And I just remember being I was being at the concert, having one of the best nights of my life and also thinking, man, I'm going to get home late. Like just that thought yeah. is in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like I'm having so much fun, but I also know I would also not mind if this wrapped up like 30 minutes early so I could get a head start on going home. OK, but I will say traveling is always easier by yourself. The second someone else comes along. It's just one more thing. And here's the difference between Alex and me. I think this comes down to a little bit of self-confidence because Alex knows he can get himself wherever he needs to be. I do not have that kind of faith in myself. I like having someone with me being like, we're at the right gate, right? Right? The train's not, the, the train didn't leave early, did it? Right? It's still coming in. Like we still have 10 more minutes. Like I need a reassurance board. 
See, I don't. That's the reason I want to go by myself. Because what I don't want is when I'm driving, right? It's four and a half hours on my way home. I don't want, hey, can we stop to get something to eat? Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Hey, do you think maybe we can get a hotel? It's it's getting late. Hey, are we sure we're taking the right exit? I think there might be a, a faster. Dude, let's just ride. That is, I will say, that one is my least favorite comment is, I think it's faster if we do this. I don't care. I've already committed to this one. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, let's just do this. If I'm going to fly, bro, do you know how nice it is for me to be like, I got my backpack, right? And I got a small carry-on. And I'm like, I'm hungry. And I just go grab drinks. And I don't have another person being like, hey, we got to wrap this up because I think they're going to be boarding. Dude, let it ride. We'll figure it out. Hey, security takes longer. It's okay. If I need to, I can run. What I don't want, a person 20 gates behind me being like, oh my gosh, did Alex just leave without me? Like, we're falling behind. Because, bro, when you're riding solo, you can go as fast as you can go. And I'm never dead weight, bro. Never. All right. Are you ready to talk about the movie? Moral of the story, I have a huge penis. Okay. Oh Yeah, I'm ready to talk about this movie. Okay, this week in our final Alex movie week, we, that wasn't correct, but in our final week in Alex's favorite movies, we are watching the 2015 Southpaw. Uh, We are going to do two different sections. We're going to start with a non-spoiler section, and then we're going to move on to a full spoiler section. So if you don't want to listen to us talk about this movie at all, you can skip ahead to this time code right here. Time code 3515. So, Southpaw, Rachel McAdams, Jake, where's the scarf, Hall, And Forrest Whitaker. And Forrest Whitaker. Dude, this movie, when I saw it, here, bro, I like telling people what's what early. Let me tell you, when I saw this movie, I don't even know if the plot's not amazing. It's, it's, it's what, not. It's the emotions it makes you feel that's amazing. Because, yeah, like, so. the plot is, ba- the, here's the plot, bro. Dude is a very good boxer. Tragedy strikes. Jumps into boxing. He's not good at boxing anymore. Finds new trainer. Great boxer now. I just... If that's a spoiler, that's a, It's what every boxing movie is. It's what every boxing movie is. So... Yeah, I would describe this more than anything else as a redemption movie. Because he has... The movie starts, you know, fantastic boxer, best in the world. Then he has what I will call a career shakeup. I would say... A hiccup of and some sort. <laughs> he gets his license taken away. He's demoted back to the you know bottom of the barrel. He he doesn't even want to box anymore. He's struggling to keep his family together. And so the movie is about him kind of finding himself again, finding the respect for himself again, and kind of picking up the pieces and getting back to work. Yeah. And here's the thing. This movie's in my... I don't know if it's top 10 favorite movies, but it's up there. Like this movie is all reliable, bro, because it's got like four emotional moments that hit me every time, bro, every time. And they might not have a lot in between them. Most of the time, there's not a lot in between them. But when those moments hit, dude, it makes me feel alive. And this movie is very tonally specific. Like, I I would say probably the biggest reason you would choose this movie, you specifically, is it has a tone that you very much appreciate. Yeah. And 
the best way to get to understand the tone without seeing it is that this is a spiritual successor to Eight Mile. Like Eminem was supposed to be the lead role, like he was cast as it originally. Eminem did some of the soundtrack for it. Like it, it, it it's a very Eight Mile. It's in gritty. It's dark. My world's falling apart. When you think it can't get any worse, it does that vibe, and I dig it, bro. Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe this speaks to who he is as a person, is really good at playing unlikable characters. Dude, he, first of all, when I saw it, I haven't seen this movie in forever, but when I did see it the first couple times, I saw it like five times in one year. Um, sure. So I haven't needed to see it since it came out. Um, now that I've seen him in other stuff like Nightcrawler and Prince of Persia and uh, The Watch and that movie he did recently where he's a police dispatcher dispatcher he plays a different dude in everything yeah and yeah he, he is very good at not having the same character however they do share very similar traits of not being likable but they're all um, unlikable in different ways yes like this guy he plays a celebrity boxer the best i've ever seen yeah and the reason why you don't like him is because he has real bad anger problems and and the kind of anger problems where like a nor- like it's rooted in something else like it's not just the situation it's who he is as a person because you could kind of take like if he had a good friend to kind of be in there and like hey what's his name billy yeah, like 50 cent hey <laughs> um hey 50, just a yeah i'm going to correction we're going to cut that part out uh billy's just a childhood friend he has he's got a whole like entourage and then his manager is played by 50 Cent. So his entire entourage in and 50 Cent are all like helping him out, just rooting him, trying. They're only boosting his ego. And then he's got Billy, the childhood friend. No, Billy is the character name, Billy Hope. Oh, no. What is, what's his friend's name? I don't know. John John? Yeah, you're right. I got the two. We're keeping this part in. I think I have horrible to keep names, all of bro. it in. We're, horrible names, bro. Billy, Billy and John John. Okay. I, I know. I would. The thing is, is those are white trash names. It, they are. Okay. And that's nobody's fault except for the writers. Hey, um, audience. I would like to remind you that Alex does keep IMDb open when we do the movie discussions. I don't. The thing is, is when I'm in it, bro, I keep it 100% authentic. I'm not going to pretend like I know something I don't. Okay. Here's the thing. Billy and John John, bro. Uh, enough said. You were saying? I was. I was saying. That if Billy just had one friend that was like, hey, you need to take a breather, man. You're better than this. Like a lot of his anger management problems could probably be at least stepped down a little bit. I I don't know about that. Because the thing is, it takes him 30 seconds to realize he made a mistake. Because every time he's like, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. You can tell he feels bad. Um, And when 50 Cent tries to talk him down, he loses his mind. And when John John tried to talk him down the first time. He almost shot him. <laughs> yeah. So he might be a dangerous person to be around when he's angry. And um, uh, the woman who plays his daughter, his daughter's like 10 in the movie. 
Uh, her name is Una Lawrence. She's really good in this movie. Like, if you look up reviews for this movie, the two things that people consistently write about are Jake Gyllenhaal's performance and Una Lawrence's performance. It was very refreshing coming from Spy Kids 2 to this, where, like, now that, I, now that I've seen Junie Cortez, I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh, good child actor. Dude. Thank you. Thank you. Good. There's a there's a scene where it's just him and his daughter, right? And they're just by by themselves. I pause the movie and I'm like, can you imagine being Jake Gyllenhaal? You're not saying anything, and your daughter's just talking, and you're just or in the movie, and you're just watching a kid who's 25 years younger than you just act like nobody's business. Like, yeah, what must wild. that be like? Where you're you're the famous one, but this kid is killing it right now. 100%. 100%. Also, we'd be remiss to not talk about the woman of the hour, bro. Oh, yeah. Rachel McAdams makes another appearance in my favorites of the month, and she murders her role. And here's what I like about Rachel McAdams in this movie. And I think this movie does a really good job at showcasing, like, she is a good actress, not just someone that we like, because she plays a very genuinely concerned spouse. Like you, like she watches her husband get beat up day in and day out. And, and what's important about this is Billy Hope, the boxer is not based on a true story. It's just, it, this is all fiction, but Billy Hope's boxing style is he doesn't block anything. He just takes everything and then beats them up when they get tired. Yeah. He's like, I need to get fired up and I'm only going to get fired up when I get hit. And she brings that up like, Hey, Every, you it takes more and more and more for this to kick in for you like she's like you went like 10 rounds tonight right and it has never taken this long for you to you know knock somebody out like you need to start being on the ball also billy hope has never lost he's yeah, like 43 undefeated. and oh or something crazy and seeing her genuine concern and it's very easy to play when you when you're the wife of a celebrity it's very easy to play that character as like narcissistic and money hungry and you know kind of having like a fake concern but you know her character is genuine concern and you're like and she's like i don't care about the house or the money if we stopped boxing and like lived a normal family life i'd be okay with that if it meant you stopped getting concussions and bloody eyes yeah i think another important thing is like they give a little backstory cuz he's doing a charity he grew up in hell's kitchen um in an orphanage and so did she so they met when they were 12 so they've only known life with each other it's a very wholesome relationship. I, I think 100%. the two of them are fantastic together. Yes. Um, Dude, it was one of those things where, like, wait, she's such a good wife. It, it's ridiculous. It's one of those things where, like, there's a couple a movies wife. where she you're like, oh, this chick's flawless. What'd you say? She's such a good wife. She had to She had to have been written by a man. 100%. <laughs> it was one of those things. That, oh, she is exactly what a guy wants as a wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... If you want to go watch this movie, I do recommend it. This is a this is a good watch. It's also like the I'm glad it's a two hour flat movie. A movie like this could have easily tried to have like wrung out another like twenty or thirty minutes, and it didn't need to. It stuck at a nice you also two hours. Aren't and I'm watching happy about that fights and fights and there's four fights in this entire movie. Yeah, but if you uh, we're gonna do spoilers now, so if you want to skip that, you can skip to this time code right here and move on to the next segment. Time code thirty five. 15. 
yo, this movie sucks. Bro, this movie is not nearly as good as I remember it being. It's got a couple good parts. And I'm going to, since we're in spoilers, okay, good part. First fight scene. First fight is dope. Because you get, yes. it looks real. It feels real. You're watching this guy like, watch out. His eyes are going to start floating if he gets punched anymore. I'm like, what, what does that mean? What is it? What does floating an eye mean? Second scene. Rachel McAdams might have the best death scene I've ever seen in my entire life. She might have the best death scene, but I, 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 I don't know how to feel about it because it was very well done. Yeah. But it was one of those things in the like, moment, it felt un, I hate preventable deaths in movies. And this death was so preventable. And that was the point of it, right? It was, that was the point of the it death. Was, hey, don't, it was, it was one guy pulled out a gun, shot the wrong person. He didn't even mean to discharge his weapon, probably. And, and it, it was hit. a fight that Jake, that Billy Hope started. He started the fight. Well, and no, well, he started the fight, but it was he was it was he, instigated I'm, by the other dude because he I'm said, "Hey, after I beat you in this fight, I'm gonna take your wife, essentially, and I'm gonna do what I want with her." And he obviously Billy didn't take that very well, so he starts beating the guy to a pulp, and the entourage steps in and shoots the dude's wife. Yeah, so the, it was just it was frustrating to watch because i will very rarely do you see someone get fridged as hard as rachel mcadams got fridged in this movie because and if and if you aren't uh privy to the concept of fridging it is when you kill someone's wife's wife or mother specifically if a close female character just to motivate your male protagonist and a lot of movies do a good job i want to say a good job but a lot of movies are at least smart enough to cover it in like some layers of plot or sacrifice or well-meaningness. Like Spider-Man and Aunt May. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect example. However, this one did not do that. It, it was just like, brings it up over and over and over again. Yeah. But like, I will say, fridging, albeit a trope, is legit. It's real. Yeah. Because I and I, it's especially believable because this entire movie, you're seeing him. He hates every moment he's not with her to the yeah. point where this dude's like because when the person like loses a family member in most movies they're like i'm gonna kill the person who did this to him right in most things like i'm gonna find who's responsible his first response is i don't want to live in a world without her yeah and then when he decides he's not going to kill himself then he goes after him he's like i just can't i can't do this i can't live without her and i'm like that's real man and they've known each other since they were 12 and I'm like, this is awesome. And he feels part. So there's when I was talking about there's emotional moments. And then in between the emotional moments, there's nothing from when his wife dies to the next moment. I feel something big gap. Yeah. Big gap. Because the next time I felt something is when his daughter is slapping him in the face saying, I wish you would have died. And I'm like, first of all, that's me. Ouch. That's that's rough. There was a couple of emotional moments in there, but none of them quite hit me hard until you. Yeah, get to that and there, like so, there are some emotional moments in there, like the like, courtroom. Exactly, watching them be literally dragged apart, and and so maybe that scene is not so much emotional in and of itself, but it's a really good setup to watching his daughter almost devolve into hatred for him. Right, because because in, in the- she starts thinking he doesn't even want her because the courthouse seeing like her being taken away from him would you say that happens like less than a week after rachel mcadams dies 
Uh, I would say over the course of a month, because what happens okay. is he has okay. her for a while, right? Yeah. So she dies. Um, there's a funeral. He goes and tries to kill, try almost kills himself. House gets foreclosed. Um, and right before it gets foreclosed, he has a DUI accident in his front yard. He has to go to the hospital. He recovers from the hospital, and then she gets taken away. So the wound is fresh, is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's less than it's like six weeks. So watching her go from you know my dad is the only person that i trust to help me right now and have her shift into i wish you were the one that died and then having her shift back into being in her dad's corner i would argue she probably had the best character arc in the movie yeah probably and okay so that's another emotional moment and then hoppy dying didn't do anything for me yeah i wanted to talk about that yeah so uh in in Billy Hope's, you know, path to recovery or redemption or whatever, he starts training at this gym coached by Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. And he it's an inner city gym, teaches underprivileged kids, and Billy meets this one kid named Hoppy, who he has like two interactions with. He learns Hoppy's name, and then Billy helps train Hoppy for a scene. And right. then and the next scene I mean, like, that Hoppy a scene where he's like taping his hands. And then there's, there's a couple more scenes of what you're saying, but it's really within the span of 35 minutes of movie, not 35 minutes of them being together, 35 minutes of movie. Yeah. It's like three and a half minutes of them being together. Right. And then the next time Hoppy is mentioned, he was killed off screen and then he's not mentioned again. Yeah. And it's only used. Actually, to be honest, I don't know why it was used. It was was so that him and Forrest... Um, Billy and Forrest Whitaker's character can bond. It was it was for Forrest Whitaker's character because Billy is trying to get him to coach him for the, for the big fight for, for the, the big fight. And Lawrence Fishburne is like, I don't coach pro pro fighters. I don't coach pro fighters. Like hard, stand my ground. I'm doing that. Then Hoppy dies, and Forrest Whitaker is like. They used to call me the dream crusher because I didn't want them to go pro. I saw what that did to people, and I wanted to keep them safe. I wanted to keep them off the street. I never wanted them to go pro. But after Hoppy's death, he's like, they called me the dream crusher, and maybe it's time I reevaluated that. So sure, I'll coach you for the big game or for the big match. Right. Which, for motivations to get him to coach somebody... A little extreme, my man. Because <laughs> yeah, he was coaching him, and he wins a charity fight, which is the third fight you see. And Billy smokes this dude. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things I'm like, hey, man, he took some months off, but why would you sign up to fight the former champion of the world? <laughs> like, what? The dude gets smoke checked. Billy immediately comes back for a rematch or uh, and <laughs> back on the world stage after this fight. Because everyone's like, oh, yeah, we forgot this guy is the best there is. I love that. I love that charity fight because 50 Cent, who was his manager, who dropped him after the big hullabaloo. Well, after he was uh, broke and then lost his yeah. boxing license. So he's like, I can't manage you if you can't box. So And so 50 Cent shows up to this charity event and he's like. I want to get you back. And then Billy was like, are you sure you aren't here for Brady? Who was the guy he was fighting against? And even I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure he's there for you, man. Yeah. I hey, think you we just saw how Brady boxed. One. It was rough. He's an amateur. No one was getting paid. Um, But yeah, so that means that was the third boxing thing. Hoppy dies. I, 
which no, you, it's supposed to be emotional. Don't feel anything. And then the final boxing match is great filmed boxing. I've watched a lot of yes. boxing movies. Cinema, you can only see the same. You can only see boxing so many different ways. And as someone who has never watched a boxing movie, I thought it was very well done. It is very entertaining. You see almost all twelve rounds. You have a. You think Billy's winning, but he gets wrecked in the first couple of rounds. So you're like maybe, and then he gets wobbled and knocked down twice. Yeah. Um, and I would say this. Very rarely do the sports events of sports movies entertain me but this was genuinely engaging i was just like man if real boxing was like this i might watch it a little bit more and there's no way that it's not i thought about that during this movie i'm like first of all real boxers don't hit each other this much and it doesn't they look get hit this bad. so much it's i thought about that a lot it's rough dude i was looking at these punches i'm like and then i'm dead and then right there i'm dead and right there i have no jaw and right there that's broken ribs i'm dead and then dead also I just want to dedicate part of this podcast to not all, we all know Rachel McAdams is a smoke show. One of the most beautiful women there is Hollywood. Jake Gyllenhaal is jacked to pieces. Yeah. He is in amazing shape. It, he's in distractingly good shape. And it's a good <laughs> thing this is a boxing movie because they couldn't come up with enough excuses to take this dude's shirt off. And it he also has like nuts. a bunch of well-placed tattoos. His tattoos were so, also, as far as tattoos go, they're great. Yeah. I loved his tattoos. I'm like, oh, I think I just want to be you because you but, look amazing. Your tattoos are amazing. His haircuts fire. He's also legitimately scary. He's got a couple scenes where him screaming with the mouthpiece in. And I'm like, oh, this man's a murderer. This guy. Once he starts bleeding from the eye, I'm like, I would back away very quickly, actually. <laughs> this guy is scary, bro. He is scary. I want to get back to the punches for a second. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about how to truly get into frame how many punches these guys were taking Jake Gyllenhaal's character more than the other guy but he would take hits to open windows for him to punch back like yeah. he would willingly accept punches to just so he could counter them and, and I'm it's like it's even worse in his first two fights yeah where he's getting his clock cleaned bro it's crazy what he's taking and the whole point of Forrest Whitaker is like I'm gonna teach you how to be a defensive boxer you're all offense but you're never gonna last in there if you just get hit every time to get warmed up yada 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 I'm gonna teach you something new that even though you've won 43 fights you obviously haven't learned one of the fundamentals whatever <laughs> um so I teach him that moment and then the final emotional moment is when his daughter comes in the dressing room yeah and then they play wise man by Frank Ocean which is a beautiful song and then I remember when I first saw this, I cried, bro. Sure. It was so good. And it was one of those things I'm like, oh, these two have nobody but each other. And it was crazy. I would say above all else, this is a very high testosterone movie. Oh, 100%, dude. Like, let's get that clear. I, I understand this movie is not for everyone. And you have to get on board with a lot of things in order to accept this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, you ha getting through Jake Gyllenhaal's, like, drug-infused post-widower rampage was a little rough. And it's a long, long dissension, bro. I yeah, like, that word. He, he is... Aggre he's aggressively hunting down these people for like 20 minutes. And then when he's not doing that, he's getting drunk and crashing cars 
or killing, trying to kill himself or just getting the crap beat out of him trying to get back into boxing or having arguments with lawyers. It's just his life being bad for a long time. So the road to redemption doesn't happen until like an hour into the movie. But I'm kind of cool with that because a lot of times they're like bad thing happens. 20 minute training montage, the road up. But this is like bad, 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 bad training montage, more training for like 30 minutes. And then the last 40 minutes is like road to redemption. It's mostly bad things. (laughs) This movie is mostly (laughs) bad things. And Southpaw, not important to the name of the movie. Southpaw Dude, just, I was thinking about that too. Forrest Whitaker says it twice at the very end of the movie. Right. All it means is like, because his eye is about to fall out. He's like, you yeah. need to start fighting Southpaw, which basically means you fight, you fight with your left moving forward. Um, so that means your right foot's forward, your left foot's back, but your left arm is your strong arm. And it just, it was just more protection for his eye. And also, if you don't know boxing, you're not going to know that. And I can imagine most people who saw this movie had to Google it. And the more important part, rather Forrest Whitaker saying Southpaw, there's a line that one of the announcers has where he just explains, oh, Billy's eye hurt, so he's holding it behind his shoulder for protection. He just says that. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, he he is. Now that you've pointed it out, I see it. Thank you. Yeah, and it was one of those things I'm like, this is exposition. This is exposition. This is, hey, for all you people who don't know what he's doing, here's what he's doing. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's (laughs) let's not. For for everything that that movie does very well, I think Casino Royale is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in terms of that. Because Casino Royale has like a 40-minute poker scene, and – Someone is just at the bar explaining to the oh, woman dude. like how poker works. Like James he has a four of diamonds a... and a six of clubs. He needs a five to complete the straight. <sighs> I'm like, okay. You know, sometimes you don't need to know what's going on. You just got to look around and see if other people are cheering. You need to have like a character to explain. Yes, tensions are high. They're riding on this. But maybe we don't need the details. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So. Rachel McAdams, in both movies that we've watched with her this month, effectively plays the perfect woman and only gets killed in one of them. Yes. So here's the thing, dude. If if you watch these both of both these movies and you don't fall in love with Rachel McAdams, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you can't help it. You can't help it. It's nobody's fault. Maybe not even like physically, but just like personality. It's just like who like, she I'm, is, dude. She is one of the heroes I never want to meet. I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, she has played a perfect wife in. A few movies and I don't want to meet her because on the off chance she's mean or I see her with some people and she's not as sweet or whatever. It's going to be ruined for me, much like someone else we know who is a person I looked up to and then (laughs) did something bonkers. And now it's ruined it for me. And I don't even have to meet that person. Um, I think I'm giving this like a seven and a quarter. Oh, that's fine. I'm giving it an eight. Yeah. Flat eight. It when I saw it the first time, it was like a nine, nine and a half. Now, sure, it's got some holes, bro. <laughs> it's got some holes. I'm giving it a flat eight, and I'm fine with that. Are you gonna go out of your way to watch Doctor Strange because Rachel McAdams is in it? Oh, 100, bro. What are you talking okay. about? That's why I just wanted to check. I'm in. gonna see, dude. There's a there's a couple f- actresses that I'm ride or die for. Okay, um, and it's a short list. There's a lot of dudes that if they're not great in a movie, I'm still gonna go see it. Like DiCaprio, I'm go- I mean, he's amazing. I'm going to see it. But that list is long. 
Rachel McAdams is on a short list of women. Would you like to hear the short list? Sure. Okay, here we go. Rachel McAdams, number one. Also on the list, Amy Adams. Also on that list, Scar Jo, but she's slowly, she might not be on that list for a minute. Yeah, I was longer. thinking that too. After after Black Widow, and then what's that one she got in trouble with because she's white? Uh, Ghost in the Shell? Yeah, that one. <laughs> did you watch Ghost in the Shell? No. I was, okay. I didn't, the fact that she did the movie made me want to see less of her movies, if that made sense. And then yeah. also on this list is uh, Zoe Saldana. Sal, Sal, you know what I mean. So I think it's Saldana. Yes. And then Natalie Portman. And that's it. That's the yeah. list. It's like five people. Um, They churn out bangers nine times out of ten. Their character. Okay. Will you see a movie when a great actor only plays bad people? Um, like to morally think. depraved people? Yeah. Like um, Jared Leto is never a good guy. But a yeah. lot of people think he's a good actor. And he's almost never a good actor. But I know where you're coming from. Right. There's a <laughs> few people who play the bad guy almost all the time. And the thing is, is if you're unlikable in too many movies, I'm going to start thinking you're an unlikable actor and I'll stop seeing your stuff. And that's not a good thing. But the thing is, yeah, that mean, list is way know. shorter than there's too many people who play good people all the time that I think they're good people. There's <laughs> yeah. Rachel McAdams is one of those people. I'm like, this person only plays people I think are cool. Like Idris Elba. He plays a bad guy in like two things and they're both bad movies. So now I'm like, I just want to be cool with you because you're a cool guy in half your movies. I think that's why people like Dwayne Johnson so much. He's a bad guy in one movie. And then by the end of that movie, you realize uh, he's really not that bad. And then he's a good guy for one movie. And at the very end of the movie, you find out he's a bad guy. That was... um. Red Notice, by the way. And then the first one I referenced was a Fast and Furious movie. I think the reason people like Dwayne Johnson is because he just plays a good guy in a lot of movies. I think if he just started playing the bad guy all the time, people would like him less. Okay. I, I, I don't really have a good example for exactly what you're talking about, but I have only seen Anya Taylor-Joy in one movie, and that movie is Last Night in Soho. And she plays a very mysterious woman. Like, the point of the movie the point of the movie is how mysterious Anya Taylor-Joy's character is. Mm-hmm. So now, in my head, she's just a mysterious person right. existing on the fringes of society, only dipping in when she deems necessary. But then I look, it's like, no, she she's just a normal person who like posts on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, another person um, is RDJ. He plays yeah. that cocky, I know everything in everything. And then you meet him, you do see one interview in real life, and you're like, oh, that's just who he is. And now I dislike him because he's Tony Stark in real life. Another person is Chris Evans. He's just, when we need a handsome man, there's also a couple of people on this list, uh, uh, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer. Just generic, handsome man. Could be a good guy, could be a bad guy, but we, we just need a dude who looks like this. Can you make it happen? And they're like, yes. I also think Willem Dafoe is crazy in real life, but we'll yes, see. Yes, <laughs> he's another great example of he is a psycho in everything. And and, and I'm, I have to believe he is in real life. I have to. All right. Are you ready to? Uh, we already gave our ratings. Are you ready for the improv segment? Uh, let's do it, my dude. Okay, so we're going to do one that we did kind of recently, but we just had fun with it. And we didn't want to come up with another one. So... Bad form. The way this works is Alex and I are going to do all the <laughs> we're going to set up improv lines for the for the other person and force them to bear the weight of coming up with the actual punchline. Yeah. 
all those things in, in improv where you're not supposed to leave people hanging and you're not supposed to give them open-ended questions that you need a specific answer for, all that stuff you're not supposed to do, we're doing it. Okay. Okay. Here, here is, here's a scene and, and maybe we can boil this down a little bit better. Um, you are the boyfriend or like you are, you are the date to a fam to a family reunion and I am the dad who you are meeting for the first time. Golly, my girl brought me to a family reunion and I'm meeting all of her family for the first time. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Let's make this even closer to real life. I'm the black date and everyone's white. This is okay. get out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm ready when you are. Ah, so uh, you must be uh, sh- uh, Charlotte's new boyfriend. Yeah, uh, my name's Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing well. My name is Charles. Um, say, Charles, uh, is it is it weird that I call you that? Do you want me to call you Mr. What's well, your last name? Well, you're not going to call... Oh, um, DiMaggio. Do you want me to call you Mr. DiMaggio? Or do no. You want me- well, you're certainly not calling me dad, okay? I felt like you were going to suggest that. No, just I'm just saying that- it's just... I don't... Listen, how long have you been... How long in, How long have you and Charlotte been together? Uh... Three months, four months. And where did you meet? Um, in college. Um, we're the same major. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I'm not going to have a three-month college boyfriend call me anything. So, frankly, if you could just keep your name out of, or keep my name out of your mouth, just whenever possible. I do I have think a question because you definitely introduced yourself. What, what was that about? Oh, um... It's part of this new intimidation tactic. It's from this book I'm reading, and it says that I should really just, like, I need to shake you up psychologically in as many ways as possible. I want to remove the foundations of what you think is normal in this family. Gotcha. What was that book called? It was called Shaking the Foundations of What You Think is Normal in This Family. And who wrote it? Malcolm Gladwell. When did that come out? I don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, it's ooh, early release. I'm a I'm a literature editor. So Are you I, now? I, How much do I those? Got, I heard do those people make a lot of money. Literature editors. Yeah, well, I mean they make good amount of money. Like like eight what eight what uh, some eighty one. Yeah, eighty one. Yeah, okay. eighty one thousand dollars. What do you do? I don't I don't know if I understand your job. Okay. Here's the problem that I'm having with just kind of this entire conversation is very rarely does the boyfriend interrogate the dad. So I think we need to kind of pivot this back into where I need to have the power of this conversation again. So if you just kind of want to tell me the story of how you and Charlotte met, I'd, uh, I'd really appreciate that. Are you sure you want to know? Like, I can give you the do you want to hear the honest story or the cute story? I want to hear the story that won't get you in trouble. Okay. I do have to ask, do you have any weapons on you? Like three, I think. Okay, cute story it is. So the cute story is uh, we were studying, you know, biology together. Um, Which kind of biology? Advanced molecular stuff. As a literary editor, I don't expect to understand. And you might be thinking, wow, Alex, that's very bold of you. I, I would totally agree with you, except I'm high as a kite right now i've never seen this many white people and i was very scared (laughs) so if you're gonna be like hey alex you're making a bad impression it's your daughter's fault i popped like two xanax before i came here 
Okay, okay. And and how many and how strong were those Xanaxes? I don't I've never how had many a Xanax milligrams, before. How many milligrams were in the Xanax? I would say five. <laughs> five each. It was just to mellow me out, man. Um and it, if anything, you should take it as a compliment. She speaks Charlie speaks so highly of you, um, and your work and everything that I was just nervous to meet you. But it's it's been a pleasure so far, minus the whole not being able to say your name thing. Um yeah. anyways um, so we were in, you know, molecular biology and, um, we tried to form a st- study group with some of our friends. Uh, have you met Jake? Why on earth would I have met Jake? Well, th- wasn't he over at your house like a couple weeks ago? What was that like? You definitely met him, right? Oh, you mean, oh, you mean the washing machine guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he, he stuck his head in the washing machine to try to fix it, but then, then he got stuck somehow uh, so, uh, someone came to help him. Someone came with him. I forget who it was. I think he said it was like his stepbrother or something, but, um, the, oh, uh, the two of them managed to Jimmy. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So Jake and Jimmy and I think Charlotte's friend, I think you childhood friend, what's her name? I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Samantha. I don't think that was it. What was, did she have another friend? Uh, Angelica. Definitely. Okay. So Angelica, Charlotte, Jake and Jimmy formed a study group and I was just honestly your daughter's super intelligent and she's got a great personality and she was cracking me up in the middle of the class I couldn't focus on what we were learning I think we were trying to talk about covalent bonds and how they affected the blood system and to be honest I was just lost and she offered for me to come join this group and it was just history from then she's super wonderful but you said it was biology right okay just want, we, you we can talk about how covalent and... bonds okay affect the bloodstream and fighting diseases but to be honest i wasn't paying much attention in class that day uh, now i'm sure charlotte has uh told you about our family so if you just want to tell me uh who she's introduced to you so far sure so i've met your husband uh he wouldn't let me say his name either as we discussed good um so great meeting both of you um her little sister I think she was in she's a sophomore in high school Jen, Jennifer, Jennifer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the extended family? I mean, like the cousins are here too. Did she, she took you by them, right? To be honest, I, I'm getting them all confused. I know there's the twins over there, and I think he is, plays some sort of professional sport. It's to be honest, it's a very big family. My family's not really like well, this. Well, to call it a professional sport would kind of be stretching the definition. He does play poker professionally. He keeps telling us it's a sport because they show it on the on, you know, ESPN, but we're still having that conversation. Um, I do have do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? I seem to be having a longer conversation with you than almost anybody else here. And for some reason, Charlotte is not coming to rescue me. <laughs> Um, oh, it's it's a special instruction on my behalf. You have a few more questions. Um, first being, she mentioned something about um her mom, and I wasn't supposed to bring it up. Um, but I'm, I feel like we're connecting. Yeah. Um, can so, you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, uh, as you could probably tell, uh, her mom is not in the picture, right. mostly because. She's a surrogate mother. I hired off of what was the what was the, what's that website where you hire surrogates again? Oh, it's um find a mom. Find a mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got so we got uh, we got a surrogate on find a mom. <laughs> she was super cheap. Like, are you okay? I'm Alex, sorry, Alex, dude. Alex, Alex, Alex. Find a mom out of my butt. <laughs> that is such a good name for finding surrogate mothers. <laughs> 
you got gagged a little bit. It's, it's, it's a banger, bro. It's it's to the point, you know, exactly what you're there for. Very easy to remember. Yeah, so, we, you know, she was a surrogate mother we found. Uh, super cheap. Only, like, 60, 70 bucks for, like, the whole thing. For a nine-month pregnancy? Yeah. She was really desperate. But didn't she have to live with you the entire time? I remember there being a couple fine print points. Well... Live with us, I guess, technically. Uh, she was not allowed in the house at the same time as we were. So I don't know where she slept, per se. But when we were at work, you know, doing literature review and whatnot. Wait, wait. What, um, what was what was her name? Je- Jen- Jennifer. It was actually her friend. It was. Her- no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make uh, any <laughs> sense. So you're telling me you impregnated a six-month-old girl? Um, it was uh, Abigail. Oh, no. What was, what was her last name? Teresa. She had two first names and oh a last God, name. Teresa. Charles. My name's Alexander Teresa. Oh, I can see where this might be a prop. Wait a minute. Is that why I get it now? When I scanned your fingerprints, I had a match come up from someone who lived in our house about 22 years ago. And uh, I think that might have been a uh, little scampy Alex's fingerprints from way back in the day. Um, okay. <laughs> We're staying in this because now I'm confused. <laughs> so you're telling me that your daughter and I are in the same class. Yes. And we're this is presumably the same age. Approximately. She took a gap year. No, you would have had to take the gap year. She, <laughs> <Right>. she graduated <laughs> early. She graduated early. There we so, go. I'm about a year older than your daughter. About. And my biological mother is yes. a surrogate to you. Well, I'm I mean s- surrogate to Charlotte, but yes. Well, yours, the surrogate to your child, which fostered. Where did you get the sperm from? Oh, it's like... <laughs> We took mine and we took David's. Sorry, mm-hmm. we took my husband's, mm-hmm. and we kind of put it into one of those uh, cough syrup shot plastic cup things. Shook it up, and then we took a toothpick and we just kind of blended it together. Yep. And we gave it to the facility, and they're like, "Yep, this will work." And then, uh, so one of you is a biological father, and one of you is not, and you just don't know which one's which. No, it we we like basically made a homebrew of like we mixed them together, sir. As you can, I'm not, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I, as we discussed earlier, I do have an honors in biology. Just because you mix the semen doesn't mean the sperm is half yours, half your husband's. I'm pretty sure it is. And if you disagree with me again, I will shoot you. Cox gun. <laughs> that conversation was like a real family reunion. I was like, so what? I'm confused. <laughs> That had some authenticity to it. I dig it, bro. I I like to think our audience was like, that wasn't particularly funny, but I am very much invested. And that's what I'm going for. All right. Middle segment. This is yes. Craigslist Connections. The way Indeed. this works is I go to Craigslist. I go to the misconnections section where basically it's people posting like, hey, I saw you at a Kmart. This is what you looked like. Hit me up. And so I'm going to read you these posts. And even though you might not be the person that they are looking for, I want you to think, can you fill the shoes that this person is looking for? Beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. So these first two 
are from Austin, Texas. Okay. And uh, this is for the 7-Eleven in Round Rock. Okay. You had amazing blue eyes and were wearing American flag shorts and matching from head to toe. You were getting an epic polar pop drink. I felt the connection when you said, excuse me, and we passed in the aisle and our eyes met. I should have given you my number. Could have been something really special. Okay, so here's the tricky thing. I have no idea if this is a guy or a girl. Um, I have no I idea. I mean, it's how only old a problem if you're a coward. No, I just the thing is, is I have no idea who this person is. They didn't give, and they're not like. Because here's the thing. Here's the problem with Craigslist connections. Um, if you're not careful, anyone who met anybody who made eye contact is gonna think this is about them. You yes. need to be like, I was the six foot tall black guy, or I was the five foot two busty blonde. You need like descriptions. So I know who you are. Cause now every person I met in that seven 11 who made eye contact with me, I'm going to think it's them unless they're so confident that they made an impression on me, which by the way, they didn't. And they didn't, they really didn't. I, I think about all the people that I like to have to pass through at work and I remember none of them. Yeah. It's just like, no, this is not the way to find true love or even a hookup. I, I'm just confused. Um, is there any contact information for this person? I'm assuming um, you can just message them through the website. Yeah, you would have to message them through the website. I'll tell you what. Unless this next guy from Texas or girl or gal or whatever from Texas is completely screws the pooch, which I don't know if you're supposed to say. Um, 7-Eleven person is not getting any action. The Musings of a Full Moon is the title of this. Love post. it. Okay. I miss you dearly. Mm-hmm. You were that star in my vault in the sky. I'm truly saddened about losing my friend slash lover. I thought I understood, but so much has changed. Still, you are some kind of beautiful. Hey, let me just say that slash in friend slash lover is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's just called an FWB, bro. Um, are, are you? Do you want to be someone's full moon? Wait, is that musings? it? Yeah, no, that was it. Again, this is just a romantic letter to somebody. Yeah, it's like someone took like a paper. They wrote words on a paper airplane and then just like flung it into the ocean. They're it's like, hey, anybody who's in love who lost someone recently, hit me up. I think this is just kind of this is just more like a venting post. Like, I wish I could say this to you, but I can't. Well, uh, there's a little bit of angst and some desperation, but there's definitely a romantic side. So I think that person's the best out of Austin for sure. Okay, we're now moving on to Seattle. Oh no, these guys are weirdos. All right, the title is "You Could Make Me" parentheses a room by the lake. See, weirdos. You can make me whatever you wanted. Yep. I offered myself in whatever capacity you could have desired. Uh-huh. What you want from me ends where the release does. You are a garden, and I am just a bug that you have permitted to stay. I wonder what it would be like to be yours, to be the kind of girl you want to keep. I'll see you again, and again. I will leave an indent in your bed from the nights I spent by your side, but I know that someday soon, you will find someone else to take that place. I am just a stepping stone, and it's breaking my heart. Uh, This person wins. Yeah? One hundred percent. Lock like, this person straight down. Straight up poetry. Yes, this person. Not only are they somewhat content with not being a priority, they know it's going to end. It's hurting them, but they're like, eh, 
I'm, I'm in love with you. So what can I do? This is just a heartfelt romance desperation. So obsessed with me that there's no reason this could possibly go wrong. And I bet you that person is going to win all the way. Uh, this post, uh, uh, this was posted about 18 hours ago. So you could probably, you know, slide in on that if you wanted to. I yeah. Except for from Seattle. So this person could be 65 years old and I would have no idea. <laughs> all right. Uh, second one from Seattle. Blade Runner Kobe is how it's titled. Okay. I watched the new Blade Runner last night. Reminded me of you. My beautiful shadow, how I miss you. Too bad true love doesn't exist. I'll love you and no other until I die. That person sucks. (laughs) Don't bring up Blade Runner in a Craigslist post. Mm. Most of these people on this website don't have HBO Max. What are you talking about, bro? It is on Netflix, too. (sighs) Well, they're definitely not paying for their own Netflix. to kill your point. If they're on Craigslist, bro, they're not they're not paying for their own Netflix. They're mooching it. Um, I do want to say real quick, uh, this one isn't a contender. I just thought it was funny. This one's titled Dead Body. Uh, last week, I posted about the guy coming to me about the dead body in the woods. The police determined it was natural causes. Just an update if anyone was interested. Well, that guy's cooler <laughs> than the Blade Runner guy. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate All right, it, now we're Now we're moving on to Minneapolis. Okay. I, I'm a fan of Minneapolis, bro. Okay. Titled Repairing Doors. Okay. You, male, repairing doors at Como Medical Clinic. Me, female, wearing a white coat, there with my dad. Had to interrupt you and pass through the doors you were working on. Thought you were very handsome and polite. Wondering if you were single and want to go for coffee or a drink? Please respond with the day I was there so I know it's you. Or the letter... Or the letter your company name starts with. Because I believe I saw your partner pulling out of the lot when we left. Okay. I'm fixing doors. This person is wearing a white coat. Yeah, and at they're a hospital. with their dad at a medical clinic. Okay, presumably not a doctor, even though they're wearing a white coat. This is just a, a literal Correct. white coat. Yes, yeah. With their dad, which makes things uncomfortable because it means they're going to clinics with their father. I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's weird. Like, why are you bringing your dad unless he's unable to go? Right by himself. Yes. I do get extra points for female. For, yeah, for writing the a physical description, pretty right. helpful. Thank you for telling me you were wearing a white coat. There's also this person cares about safety because there's ways to confirm that you are indeed this person. However, I'm taking a big risk that this person's a minor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to table this. And um, come back to it at the end. And come back. Definitely better than everything Seattle. Oh, no. Seattle had a desperate love. Yeah. The room by the lake. Oh, boy. Uh, this is in second place right now, but. A big gamble. All right. <laughs> last one from Minnesota. And our last one. Need Guy Friend is how it's titled. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to get this all in one go. Older but not too old to enjoy life, as is need a doggone guy friend to share speech and more. 60. F- Wait, that's a phone number. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I thought when I picked this. When I picked this, I thought they were giving height descriptions and then just kind of went off the, kind of just like went off the rail at the end. And it wasn't. Greg. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is the description. Older, but not too old to enjoy life as is. Okay. Need a doggone guy friend to share speech and more. What does share speech with? What does it mean? Just talk? Yeah. I would think that's a weird way to just, uh, already this person's a weirdo. So, did you want to pick a winner? I'm going to go with number three, Desperate for Love. Okay. Knowing that they leave an indent in my bed, 
but knowing that it's just, there's some real emotions and romance going on and they seem a little needy, but they're, they're conscious of it. So they don't want to like interfere with what I have going on in my life. Very considerate. And that person wins. All right, Alex, what's our one hit? Our one hit is called ignorance is bliss. I'm going to give you events in people's lives that would be good to 99% of people, but you're the 1% who's going to find something wrong with them. And it's going to make your life worse that they happened. You just have to tell me how. Okay. I got nine steps in a perfect life. Step one, you get a full ride scholarship to a college of your choice. I wanted to go to trade school and the scholarship's not for trade school. Okay. That sucks. Um, your parents, uh, Completely paid for your first car. It was a gas car. It was like a it was a gas guzzler. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be environmentally friendly. So kind of doesn't work out for me. You got the job of your dreams straight out of college. I feel like I didn't get, you know, the experience of struggling. So just like having instant success, I really don't feel like I can connect to people that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And I feel out of touch because of it. I hate you so much, bro. I know this is its literally the point. <laughs> but it's making me mad. Did you not realize when you were coming up with the bit how entitled this fictional person is? It's so rough, dude. Um, you married the love of your life just at the right time. See, the problem with that is uh, with traditional marriages, typically the one of the parents pay for the wedding and I felt really bad that they insisted on that. And, you know, I wanted to pay for my own wedding, but you know, both parent sides like insisted on paying for it. So it kind of felt like a big gift that I wasn't able to reciprocate. See, that was a stretch, but I'll allow it. Um, number five, your job gives you a raise to match with inflation. So you don't fall behind. I feel like that money could really be better put into reinvesting in some of the technologies in the company, like uh, e- even simple stuff, like maybe repaving our parking lot or making sure that the carpet is cleaned and everything like that. You know, my race doesn't matter as much. We could put those extra, you know, whatever few thousand dollars that might be should just be put into the company structure itself. Oh, my gosh. Um. The perfect bipartisan candidate you voted for won the election. I just know that whatever candidate wins anything, you know, it's going to create a little bit more divisiveness in the nation that we call home. So I just know that even though what I consider as we are the ones that won, um, other people feel just as strongly about their candidate and they're going to harbor a little bit of resentment for that. Your dog escaped, but when it escaped... It saved a homeless person's life. Honestly, I think the problem with that is the fact that there shouldn't be homeless people to begin with. The homelessness is an epidemic. And even though that my dog was able to save this person's life, the fact that they were homeless shows a a, a genuine weakness in our infrastructure and how there are people that we are able to help but are actively choosing to not. So that person probably shouldn't have been in this situation to begin with, and it's on the government to tackle these problems and bring them off the street. Number eight, your wonderful kids each graduate valedictorian and are voted unanimously by their peers as the best friend in the entire school. 
having both of those titles, you know, valedictorian and best friend, I, I feel like are a little contradictory because in order to be valedictorian, you have to make a few sacrifices. And usually those sacrifices come in their social life. And it's just it's just impossible to be the best friend to everybody. So I think that maybe it's more of a more of a gesture than a genuine uh, reciprocation of friendship. So I, I think that my kids may maybe cut a few social corners, but and the student body is able to recognize that and look past it. So maybe they didn't deserve both of those titles. If I was your kid, I would have killed myself. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh, and finally, <laughs> you live long enough to see your grandchild s- solve the climate crisis. Well, to say that my grandchild solved the climate crisis is a little bit overwhelming because I'm sure that that grandchild worked on a team with other people and they should be deserving of just as much credit as my grandchild because no one goes through anything alone. And it's important to recognize the team that stood by them or or, or the moral support from their family and uh, everything that that happened to them while they were going through it. That's the important thing to recognize. So saying, oh... This one person solved the climate crisis. It's a little, you know, you're, you're overlooking a lot of other people's hard work. Well, that concludes uh, ignorance is bliss. And I think we all can agree <laughs> not knowing that person would be bliss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Ooh, yikes. Um, that concludes our one hit wonder. It's never coming back. Thank God, because I just got mad. <laughs> all right. Uh, free balling. How's it hanging? Listen, bro. Every day is a grind. I've yeah. resolved to just cranking out as much blacklist as humanly possible every day. You're which, almost Netflix caught up. I'm almost Netflix caught up. Um, I'm watching about two to three episodes a day. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate every second of it. I have fallen behind on all my podcasts on YouTube because I'm just grinding this movie or this show rather. And it's still trash. I'm pretty sure we're getting to the point where we're starting to kill off bigger and bigger characters. No one's motivations make any sense. It's impossible to see how the relationships affect each other. The acting is bad. The writing is worse. I'm I'm just mad, bro. I'm just mad. All right. <laughs> um I'm still cranking through my Halo Legendary Marathon. Um I beat Halo 5 on Legendary. That one was definitely the worst experience out of all of them. Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't like Halo 5 just in general. I came to bat when it came out and was like, hey, this movie's act- or this game is actually, you know, it has its flaws, but it's still fun and I enjoy it. Uh, playing through on Legendary, I take that back. Um, it, the, the problem that I had with it was the AI could revive you. It was, you know, that had never been done in a Halo before. You worked with a squad, and if you got down, your squad could res you. Mm-hmm. But their pathing was so bad. So, like... If there was a very clear, like, oh, you just need to jump over here to get to me, they'll, like, go down the ramp, across the field, up the other ramp, and then get to you. I'm like, guys. And, like, if you get downed and you're behind cover, they'll try to res you from out of cover instead of going (laughs) around you and also getting in cover themselves. Like, guys, come on. You're better than this. Yeah, that Um, sounds bad. But I only have one game left. I'm on Halo Infinite. It's the last one. Uh, and that's pretty good. Um, Do you have any plans for what you're doing afterwards? Not really. Uh, here's the thing. I anticipated this taking me all year. 
when I started, when 2022 started, I'm like, my year long goal is to play these games on Legendary. It is April, as we're, it is April, and I'm almost done. I'm on the last game. Five out of six <laughs> completed. No, five out of six out of seven completed. Um, so yeah, super. I kind of don't know, I guess. Yeah, that's all I have, really. Sure, man. Um, I'm excited to find out what your life is going to be like after this. Yeah. Um, I have been streaming more consistently. Uh, I played some Sonic to, you know, to because Sonic was coming out. Also played some Tomb Raider, playing Life is Strange, all that fun stuff. Um, but I'm just, dude, I am, as someone who works at a movie theater, I'm not excited for Doctor Strange. I, but here's the thing. Not being excited because other people are going to be too excited is different than not looking forward to the movie. Correct. Yeah. As a moviegoer, as someone who enjoys the MCU, I am hyped for Doctor Strange. I am very excited for it. But as someone who is, this is going to be my Black Friday. And I just need to accept that. And it's going to be a Black Friday that lasts for weeks. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, new month, new theme, and the new theme is there is no theme. We're very we're we're taking a clean break. All right. We're just gonna have a little bit of fun. We're gonna watch the movies that we've been wanting to watch, haven't gotten around to yet. Clean break. So we're gonna next week we are gonna be watching the original Top Gun Tom Cruise classic. I'm very excited. Dude, me too. I've seen it before. I haven't seen it in long enough. I think it's just a movie you have to see. It's also yeah. good that we get to knock it out of the way. Knock it. You know what I mean? Before the new one comes Before out. I'm a little out. bummed because the trailer does have a spoiler for the first movie in it. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. And like it was, it's one of those spoilers that I've heard before, but I forget about it because I've never seen Top Gun and it's not Top Gun isn't relevant to my life because I've never seen it. Right. But I have, now, do you carry around spoilers from movies you haven't seen just because you know how it ends? I have you, three it, of them in my head. It really depends. Like, I knew about the Top Gun spoiler. I'll I'll tell you, like, I know that someone dies in Top Gun and I know who it is. Okay. But every now and then I'll, like, forget for long enough to where I genuinely forget. Mm-hmm. And, but then I saw the trailer for the new one, like, oh, right, he dies. Thanks for reminding me. My three spoilers are Titanic, because I haven't seen it. Okay. So I know how it ends. And I know all the key scenes, like the uh, the steamy car and paying me like one of your French cars. It's, like, it's just a thing. Uh, another one is I See Dead People. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the I Was Dead the Entire Time. Yeah, correct. Those, like the, yeah. those two movies I haven't seen. I know one of them is Sixth Sense. I can't remember what the other one is, but I'll, I I think Bruce Willis is in it. Well, that might Bruce be Sixth Willis, Sense. Yeah. Then what's the I See Dead? That's the no, Haley Joel Osment one. No, that's all. Hey. This is the same hey, movie? It's the same movie. That means, that, well, that's good. That's very <laughs> yeah. good because that means I don't have more spoilers than I need because you don't want them. Like I went into No Way Home spoiled. Super spoiled. Yeah. And that's okay, but it would have been nice if it wasn't. Um, I mean, like, I, Game of Thrones spoilers. I like know all of them. Yeah, I, anything involving the Jon one, Snow, which everyone's been talking about for forever. Yeah, the season one ending, anything involving Jon Snow, like spoilers up the wazoo. So, um, Grey's oh, Anatomy spoilers. 
Oh, <laughs> do you remember that one time we spoiled Grey's Anatomy for our friend? And we hadn't even watched it. We just looked up the what everyone was freaking out about and then told them. Here's the thing. So we knew our friend. This is going to sound mean, and it is. But we knew our – this was – I was a sophomore. They were a junior. You were a senior. And they were, like, in a super big Grey's Anatomy phase. And they were caught up and or like they were they hadn't seen the new episode yet. And for some reason, them being obsessed with Grey's Anatomy was annoying us like it was pissing us off. So we decided in order to mess with them, we're going to look up last night's episode spoiler and tell it to them. And here's the spoiler. I'm going to tell you the spoiler for Grey's Anatomy. It's it's when Mark Shepard dies, like a a pivotal a very pivotal moment in Grey's Anatomy history, and we just told them that Mark Shepard died. <laughs> it would be like Walking Dead, hey, Glenn dies. Walking Dead is another one of those things where I know everything that happens. You right. and I both dipped at about the same point at around like season four-ish. Which is but I feel early. Like early. But we also know pretty much everyone who dies. Mm-hmm. Because it's a big announcement, like, this person is not returning for the new season. What? Who's going to watch this movie after this actor does not return? I'm like, well, what's what's the point anymore, you know? That's one of those, that movie is just one big battle royale where you just want to see yeah. who's the last guy. And once you know who's going to not make it, it's just less important. It's a game show. And I don't know, I, for some reason, the shift from Rick being the main character to Daryl being the main character is like, I don't care. It Darryl, feels like fan service. It does. Because Daryl was such a great supporting actor that, like, the fact that he is now the main character, I'm like, it feels like it's the Friends spinoff. This feels like Joey. Dude. I'm, I'm over Friends, bro. I've been over Friends. It has a resurgence on TikToks and uh, Reels. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. There are several shows that are bad. However... When you pull clips from them and show them in like 15 to 90 second formats, it's much better there. For example, I wouldn't be caught dead watching a full episode of Family Guy. However, you pull bits from each episode, I'll watch those bits. Dude, South Park looks so good in clip form. So good. Who knows, man? Who knows? Well, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex, good. Have fun. Be safe. Make good choices. If you have my number, if you have my IP address, if you have my address, give it to your mom until I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.